soaring inflation, looming food shortages, <laughs> um, baby formula, active baby formula shortage. And I'm so grateful that our benevolent leaders have their priorities straight. And what are they doing in this time of crisis with more potential crises on the horizon? They're sending money to Ukraine. Let us thank our benevolent fathers in Washington, D.C. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Yes. This is Storytime with Dave. I'm your host, Dave. And I'm your other host, Lauren. And you know what, Dave? You're right. That active baby formula shootings are a big problem in this country. Yeah, people are being shot <laughs> for having baby formula. Yeah. Because they're giving it all to immigrants. For aborting their baby formula. <laughs> yeah, and that's why people in Buffalo are angry. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, but we'll get to all of that. <laughs> we don't need to start there. And I don't even have that listed on the list of topics that I have, but we can touch on it. What, Buffalo? But, yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo. That, I'm not going to explain that to the audience, but no, maybe. in us. Yeah. <clears throat> that one I don't even want to get too much into because I kind of want to look into it more because it's got feds written all over it. Oh, you no. Know? Why would the FBI do this is my question. I don't, they didn't. Okay, well, that's, that's one perspective. But they're limitless possibilities and certainly both of these are possibilities people still really died though yes regardless and people really bad, died right? hey people really died on 9-11 but and we know what happened that's a, that's a tragedy right yes okay good we can agree there rest in peace to those 10 victims yes. indeed yes um okay so let's begin we're going to start with the ministry of truth which what were they even calling it it was the it was a department of the DHS, and they were calling it the Dis Disinformation Governance Board, I think. Something of that nature. DGB. There was, yeah, DGB, and then people were making fun of the KGB. This was know. the first time that a massive trolling campaign, a genuine organic trolling campaign, actually temporarily shut down a federal expansion of power. I think this is the first documented case of that. What trolling? Um, Nina Yankovic, uh -huh. or whatever her name is. That goofy lady. Yeah, the goofball who likes to sing right. show yes, tunes yes, and yes, stuff. Yes, 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 um, She got so hardcore trolled that I think it became clear to the DHS that they can't move forward. DHS being Department of Homeland Security. Mm -hmm. I think they realized that they couldn't move forward with this. At least not publicly and at least not now. And not with her. But why, yeah, would, why would you pick someone like her? I don't know. This seems like such a blunder on their part that the guy who's the head of the DHS looks like a James Bond villain. A lot of these people do. He looks like a younger Klaus Schwab, if you've ever seen a picture of him. And it's mostly just a bald head. Melty. But yeah, melty and like very serious. Very serious. And he's getting questioned about it in Congress. Have you seen any of those videos? No. He's getting questioned by people. I think Rand Paul was grilling him and they're just like, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to Rand Paul brought up like all the lies that he, he was like the greatest purveyor of disinformation is the U S government. And he's talking about weapons of mass destruction. He's talking about, um, what was the, uh, the Vietnam thing? The thing that kind of 
wasn't it the Vietnam War that kind of sparked it? That what what is it called? The oh fuck, I can't think of it. It was some false flag attack where we're not even sure to this day if anything got sank. Actually, like they sank a ship or two. Okay. Gulf of Tonkin. That's what it is. We were just talking about that. We were? Yeah. I don't remember. Like a month ago. I believe you. Yeah. Thanks. Well, (laughs) he was just remarking on like, how can we trust the government to regulate what is and isn't disinformation if they have a proven track record of being purveyors of misinformation? perhaps even more often than offering accurate information. And he didn't even bring up COVID, which... I mean, it's implied. It, like, the whole thing is based on COVID. Yeah, it is, because that's where all the misinformation came from. misinformation. Yeah, because they're, they're extending it big time. It's, it's within the context of that that they're saying that they're, they're performing all of these duties to, to keep people safe, that misinformation disinformation and what malinformation <laughs> what was the third one there's malinformation that was right yeah. like that those were the the biggest threats to us all because if we can't get on the same page about the health and the science um you know backing everything that's supposed to get us quote unquote out of the pandemic um you know then we're all doomed is is what they're implying so they're like let's let's sort all this information into three categories that everyone could understand which who could possibly understand the difference between disinformation misinformation malinformation well like the, the one that malinformation it's also, is it's built to be confusing just like the rest of yeah what happened with covid news malinformation is the only straightforward one you're intending yeah, you're, you you want to cause harm, but it doesn't have to be wrong. And when they define it, ah, they don't right. even define it right. as inaccurate information. Yeah. They define it as information intended to cause harm. Right. I think presumably Twitter, to the government sure. or institutions. There was a Twitter story about this or like a rather it was a story on Twitter that was taken down in the name of malinformation and then people were talking about like well what the hell does that one mean i think they were talking about no agenda too was that it maybe that's what we were listening to but uh, yeah it's like it it wasn't even false like and then i mean then what do you do i'm guessing that misinformation is like a mischaracterization or something like that and disinformation is like wrong or what they would describe as just wrong so misinformation is an outright wrong yeah maybe it's just like missing context that's what they always I put see. like this is actually missing context yeah yeah like yeah. they've Snow. been doing that with the um basically i think it was like free beacon but some some journalist for one of these more conservative news outlets like just got like went because they were saying like there's no crack pipes Mm-hmm. In the safe smoking kids, we don't include crack pipes. Are you crazy? Right. So, like, one of these um, fellas, this investigative journalist for whatever publication it was, just, like, went and got them. He just went to a few different states and got the, the safe pipe. smoking kits. And where they you, all had crack pipes. Do you remember where you get them? Like, who I think, distributes them? The DMV? No, I think you go to, like, the um, the places where you would get... What's that stuff where people are addicted to heroin and they're trying to get off Narcan. heroin? And, 
No, no that's when you're like oh dying. um yeah 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 methadone uh, clinics yes, yes. like that kind of thing gotcha. i think that's where you get that makes or sense. i think you that could even sense. get it like in the mail or something i don't know i'm not sure about that i'm not sure it's nutty either way but he was able to so so then they're I mean, publishing why is that nutty though it's like you're just gonna give out crack pipes you're not giving it at addiction centers at treatment centers you know like, I think the the whole, like, I mean, I don't know how true this is, but the argument was that people are spreading disease through their broken glass things that are, like, cut, I mean, that, cutting people and stuff. And what, is that something that the government should care about? Or? That's a reach. But... I don't know if it's a reach. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't really know why they did it in the first place because it's really easy for someone on the outside to say we should not be doing this it doesn't make any sense but we don't like work in addiction treatment centers we have no idea like, well that's that's fine yeah and you often do this where you're strongmanning a position which is good like the opposite of strongmanning but then why does the government just deny that like deny you just what? can't like you just came oh, up that with that gave... as an explanation which is a reasonable explanation as nope. to why they would do this why would the government then? Right, and the I'm spokes, stupid. When it's it was it's still, the first thing I thought of in this random fake scenario. So yeah, why couldn't they? When say it that? was still, um, you know, peppermint patty as the spokes hole. Peppermint patty. Jen Psaki. Do people call her peppermint patty. She looks like peppermint patty. No, she doesn't. Oh, well, from just, Charlie Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So. She just like denied it. She was like, "No, there's no crack pipes." And then the White House was like, "Yeah, there's no crack pipes." Why wouldn't they just say? Yes, there's crack pipes, but this is why. And then offer a reasonable explanation. When they go into the de denial and then they're there and it's easily verifiable, how did they not foresee that? And are they that incompetent? Or do they just think people will be like, well, case closed. There's no crack pipes. You know? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, obviously, it was just a distraction from something because, like, there was no conversation about this before. Like, it's one thing. Like, remember when people were, like, widely reporting on the opioid crisis? Like, it's not over. It's not really being fixed yeah. right now. It's just kind of still looming in Some the background. Only no, but, Tucker mentions it. Interesting. Well, sure. I don't know that. But, like, um, it, it would be one thing if, like, in the context of the greater conversation that, like, you know, during the opioid crisis, they're like, you know what? Now you can get Narcan at any fucking 7-Eleven or something. Like, if you're buying condoms, you can also buy Narcan. Like, people would probably be like, that's fucked up, or, like, why? But they would also have an explanation like well we're battling this crisis it's something that we're trying you all know this is a problem and here's a proposed solution in this case it was just like everyone's dying things are bad don't go outside and we're giving away crack pipes you know and what? it I... just made no context like contextual sense in what conversation was happening i bet this is what would happen if they said you could just go to 7-eleven and get narcan because narcan's powerful yeah. Powerful, like, upper. People would just get addicted to Narcan. <laughs> and then it would be like, we have a Narcan epidemic in this country and we need opioids to fight it. <laughs> is it is it like a fun upper, though? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. That's like saying EpiPens are an upper. I don't know, but like, is crystal meth like a fun upper? Yeah. Okay. That's like why people do it. I guess we would, you would have to ask someone who's been narcan before if it's fun. Do... Yeah, I'd know somebody. And then, like, people would be doing Narcan, and they'd be like, 
off the charts and someone would be like, get him some heroin quick, we gotta bring him down. I think it might be just like the EpiPen where if you, if you in, like uh, deploy the EpiPen when you're not having an allergic emergency, you could die. Like, I think it's the same with Narcan. Like when you're overdosing, your heart rate's slowing, everything's like failing. It's such a powerful upper that it'll save your life. But if you're sober, um, then it'll, it'll probably fucking, like, yeah, it'll kill you. That's probably. why it would be an epidemic. The Narcan epidemic. But it wouldn't be fun. It's looming on the horizon. Danger. But that's <sighs> you're why. The worst. So you're a fear monger. They would. It's dangerous. I'm not fear mongering. It's dangerous and everyone's going to die. Why is this fear mongering to you? <laughs> You know, that's misinformation because you're missing context. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's what they did, though. So when people were then sharing this, and I think it still might happen. People were sharing these stories about the crack pipes, like confirmed yeah. that there's crack pipes. And then they were labeling this. And I think they're currently doing this. If you see it on Twitter, it says missing context. Yeah, I've so seen this that. Is misinformation sure. because it's missing context. I don't know. That, I think they would classify that as misinformation because they couldn't say it's disinformation because there are crack pipes. So this is the distinction, I think. Given away by the government. Yeah. So then when you were, if you were to say um, the vaccines are dangerous, they would say that's disinformation because that's just plain wrong. Right. But it's not your intention. Even to though hurt it's not people, wrong. It's, it's like your according intention to, them. to Right. To help people. Sorry, you're on my... I cut myself and you're on the wound. Okay. There you go. That's Sorry better. about that. It's okay. Um, so this is what I wanted to get to, though, while we're on the topic of Ministry of Truth, because I was listening to this NPR report that they were playing on No Agenda, and um, they're talking about their extremism correspondent or something like that. It's like someone who covers, they were talking about Buffalo. 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 <laughs> <laughs> they were talking about Buffalo and they were like, we're going to turn now to, and it was NPR. So they were talking like this. Mm. And they said, and it's that woman who talks like this. Yeah. She talks almost like a Sean Connery, like a sprinkle of Sean Connery. She talks like she's wearing a quilted vest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's what's, um, it's called like um, all, thi all Things Considered. That's what it is. It's all things considered. Oh, yeah. That's a very popular podcast. All things yeah, yeah. considered. Mm -hmm. And then they have like the segment on the show. And then I guess they have a podcast too, which is probably just clips of the segment. Mm -hmm. And they were saying they were going to their extremism correspondent. So this is my question. If, if disinformation and misinformation and malinformation is so dangerous, then why is every fact checker not an extremist? Because they're constantly exposed to misinformation that they have to fact check racist, xenophobic, homophobic material, you know, dangerous clearly, health misinformation. Why would all the fact checkers not be? Why wouldn't they all be extremists? I mean, they're getting flooded with this information, maybe more than anyone else. Sure. You're saying just they're being exposed to it. And, yeah. by and it's so dangerous. I mean, how could you possibly expect them? Because they don't trust the masses. That's they think that the average person isn't capable of reading something and doing their due diligence. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Right. But by their own logic, it's like, how could you have an extremism correspondent with 
Well, you're, because you're, we vetted them. You're putting them in danger. They're very, very smart. Way smarter than you'll ever be. I guess, And they yeah. can protect you. Uh-huh. But you're putting them in danger on a daily basis. Yeah. What are the ethics of that? Hey, I mean... <laughs> what are the ethics of putting your correspondent in danger? They should get purple danger? hearts. I mean, going to war is one thing. And being a war correspondent, yeah. bullets whizzing by your head, that's one thing. That's kind of dangerous. But exposing them a war of to the body dismiss a, malinformation? A war of the mind. The mind is the most fragile thing. <laughs> the mind thing. is at war. The mind is powerful, but so, so, oh, so Not fragile. Not everyone can be a brain soldier. Only These, a certain group of lesbos in quilted vests can be truth uh, warriors and protect us all. And they're, they're fighting the good fight for us so that I don't have to read anything. I think that we are, we have another looming threat. Not to be a fear monger about it. Yeah, you're mongering. <laughs> I'm just regular mongering. You're monging, dude. I'm calm mongering. I think that we have another <laughs> looming threat. Mm -hmm. I'm Terry Gross, and this is Fresh Air. Fresh Air. And there might be another looming threat of all of these NPR and AP, Associated Press, fact checkers, and PolitiFact they might all become mass shooters. And we might have a, a spree of fact check Wouldn't that be crazy? mass shootings. And so I think what we need to do to be safe is to preemptively throw the fact checkers in jail, just in case. Yeah, on a truth farm. On a truth farm, yeah. <laughs> That's an episode title. Let's feed them good information on a truth farm. No, no, we'll feed them good information because legally we have to, to keep them alive, but they will absorb and <clears throat> filter the mis and mal and disinformation, but we'll keep them in little oh, cages, we'll keep them in cages. attached to little tubes Yeah. so that they can just be truth slaves. So, oh, so they can continue they to do their to. fact checking. They have to. Who else is going to do it? That's true, but we have to keep them. It would be unethical them. to make different people we do it. We have to keep them in confined space because they're essentially sick. Yeah, they're and alive. We have to keep them with alive. ideology, yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. In a padded room. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Thank you. I was thinking of just throwing them away, but we can actually use them, too. Throwing them away? No, like in jail. No, we need them. How are not going to be them. safe? Yeah. But we have to protect them from themselves. And we have to protect us from them. I wish that there were just better ways of researching things. We're adjusting. I wish that there were better ways of researching um, and doing your due diligence. Like everyone, I, I've actually been thinking about this a lot. Um, just like the, the process of doing a research project in school um, where you have a topic and you have to you know, become a, a little mini expert on that thing. And they teach you, or at least my school, I think did a very good job of teaching me how to look for information that I could trust. And it's really interesting because, and I'm sure you've had the same treatment where your teacher always goes, do not use, <coughs> do not use Wikipedia. You can't trust Wikipedia. It's not a source, right? I actually used to not agree with that, but now I do agree with it. I don't agree with it. It just if it's non-controversial, then I think Wikipedia is reliable. Well, sure. But if fine. it's anything controversial, it's unreliable. Yeah, it's. I mean, you you wouldn't want to cite it in a paper <coughs> unless like there are probably some circumstances where you could, but not anything that hinges on like 
anything that really matters. But um, exactly. Yeah, but you like you could use it for things like, that don't matter. Like a birthday, you can use probably. I mean, sure. I okay. You know yeah. what I mean. So there's that, and then they say, well, here's a primary source, a secondary source, blah blah blah, and like that information is all I have formally that teach me how to search for my own information right then as you grow older you find your your own sources and the people who are sharing the the news or whatever kind of reporting that you trust and then you say this is a good source and this is my source and i like these people and my grandfather god rest his soul like sat me down when i was like eight years old and he was like don't trust any journalists um the news is bad you have to get your news from independent people and various sources and left and right and center and you know someone who was he was someone who was a real critical thinker like a true deep deeply critical thinker and that was a blessing to receive that kind of um advice mm-hmm. but people you know they get stuck um, and especially there's so much, so many like outlets and so many journalists or quote unquote journalists, self-proclaimed journalists out there. And you get like this information paralysis and you don't know where to look or who to trust. Um, and, you know, even people that are part of the legacy media make really huge mistakes or mischaracterize things that are really important. Um, and don't really get in trouble for that or people don't really read redactions or republishings or edits or you know things like that it's like even if you're reading something from NBC you have no idea like if it's really true or not Um, and that really sucks and then you get into like the election like Trump's election cycle where fake news is like all of a sudden a buzzword and now i mean more than ever like nobody trusts anything and then with covid i mean forget it like that was the best thing that trump did i think was making it mainstream to not trust right. the mainstream that's, media i mean that's so that's his true legacy that is a really important that point I that i don't appreciate people don't for. give him the credit for that no. like i mean it's not cool for a person to be like so paranoid that they're like every single thing I hear from news outlets is fake because that's not true like and then I mean who are you going to trust you can't be that paranoid you you can but it's no way to live life and like you'll never know the truth as like a civilian like you'll just it's going to be really difficult to know exactly what's going on unless you're a journalist yourself and you have connections to find out whatever information on your own, unless you have primary sources of, of, that you can trust. Well, I think but, like you said it just before that you just don't trust institutions. That's a mistake. You trust individual, I mean, you independent can trust that you, you journalists. Should, you should trust a little bit and be skeptical a little bit. Like you shouldn't be outright like denying things that nbc says or that fox says like no i think when people say like tucker carlson is like a monster and he's like poisoning the minds of our grandparents it's like that's not true like and most of those people wouldn't have even listened to them but they're being told what to think and they're not diversifying where they're getting their information from i think tucker too is an outlier and there's no counterpart on msnbc or cnn cnn has a script that they all read from. 
Chuck Todd reads it. Well, he's at MSNBC, but they're the same. They all have a script. So the only Tucker reads from no, the I know he literally has a script, but they have a top-down script that every anchor reads. The only divergence, the only outlier you see on any of the three mainstream networks, meaning MSNBC, CNN, and Fox, the only outlier is Tucker. And no, I don't agree. His problem is, well, who's the other outlier? I don't think there are any outliers. I think they're all, they're all. I mean, espousing the same shit that they're. If you if priorities. you if you watch like the five, you know that yeah. on Fox. Yeah, it's awful. And then you watch Tucker, and then you watch Hannity. One of these things is not the same, you know. Tucker does not talk about the same stories that the others talk about. I mean, he does. No, I understand. But he's usually got a different take on it. I think the way Tucker goes about it is purposely inflammatory. And I think he, him and his team do that for fun. But that's what makes people hate him so much. But he's the most reliable he's like a of the MSM, which isn't saying much. But I don't, I can't find, like, I don't see anyone on MSNBC who's like. I like Steve Kornacki. I don't know who that is. He's awesome. He's the guy with the big whiteboard. Oh, for, well, yeah, I mean, but he's... No, he's, he has a show now. Does he? Or at least he, he fills in a lot, and he was supposed to have a show, but... He's kind of like... He rocks. Um, he's the best. <clears throat> yeah, I don't really know. You he kind of like... like he, He's the chart eyes. guy. He's the chart guy. He's the chart guy. He's, he's just really brilliant, and you can tell. And we were talking about the, um, the, the case that we were watching on Netflix from The Staircase, like that whole thing go down and, and how it's so obvious to people like us who really understand body language like when people are being purposefully deceitful or right. honest or at least w they think that they're being 100 percent honest and like steve kornacki like his eyes his whole persona he's just telling the truth like or at yeah. least like i said he believes with his whole heart that he's telling the truth yeah. he's not being deceitful and he's like a good source i, I don't like really him know him so i can't say tucker to that point uses his facial expressions to evoke emotion from the viewer so he's dishonest in that regard he uses his eyebrows a lot if you notice he always squints his eyebrows together yeah. very expressive face i don't think and that's he, a bad thing no but he uses it um persuasively for better or worse i'm just pointing that out he that is a um, manipulative tactic. A lot of them do it, and he's no different in that like regard. It's almost like he's subliminally telling you how to feel. That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. So he does that, but I see him as an outlier regardless. I don't think it would be hard to argue that because just the topics that are being covered and the people that he has on, no one else is having Glenn Greenwald on, on Fox. The dude's a socialist. They're not having Chris Hedges on, socialist. That's fair. He regularly has these people on. Actually, I don't know how much he has Chris Hedges on, but I know he's had them on before. Mm -hmm. And That's fair. Yeah, and he invites people on and they just won't come on. Like Chuck Schumer was um, basically blaming him. That was one thing that was crazy about the Buffalo shooting, how many people were blaming Tucker Buffalo. for the Buffalo shooting, Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> and they... Um, and Chuck Schumer said it too. Tucker invited him on the show to discuss it. And Chuck Schumer declined. So Tucker was calling him a coward, which he is. But, you know, they all are. I mean, who has the fucking time? Like, 
Not everyone wants to fucking talk to Tucker Carlson, get all mic'd up. I mean, if you're going to... If you're going to say he's a, responsible, waste of time. if you're going to say he's responsible for a mass shooting and then he invites you on a show to talk about it. That's fair. I think that you owe him that, <laughs> wouldn't you say? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. But we're continuing on here. Independent is better than institution at this point. If the institutions were reliable, it would be a different story. But the New York Times has been a warmongering institution since World War One. And they were infiltrated, like, this is also history that, like, a lot of people don't realize. So when they hear things like the Disinformation Governance Board, they think it's, they think it's um, novel and new. But they don't know what the CPI is, not the Consumer Price Index, but the Committee on Public Information. Mm. And that was made by Woodrow Wilson in 1917, I think, mm-hmm. to basically... They were infiltrating, well, they were welcomed by these newspapers. Sure. So you couldn't even say infiltrating. But they were going these papers to make them set certain agendas to drum up um, support for the war. Yeah. And that was carried forward by the CIA in the 1960s, and that was Operation Mockingbird. And that was more of an infiltration where you had CIA operatives infiltrating news organizations to try to drive certain agendas. But that never stopped. And that still goes on today. And so it's like these aren't reliable institutions. Sure. They've infiltrated all of them. But the so when you're relying on independent journalists, especially who are self-sufficient and like self-sustaining and they have like a sub stack and they make all their money from sub stack. Yeah. And they're not beholden. It's like. When people at the um, Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, write articles about, and I'm not even saying they're wrong in the articles, but if you're working for the Washington Post and the owner of your institution is a billionaire and you're writing articles about, here's why we should rethink taxing billionaires. Right. Then you're like, well, if nothing else, there's a conflict of interest there. And it's not even necessarily the journalist's fault. Maybe they're being genuine, but it's hard to trust. Yeah. So it's like when institutions say things like I'm almost it's like only if it's non-controversial am I not immediately skeptical. Sure. And then even when it's not controversial, I'm still skeptical, just less skeptical. Mm-hmm. If it's political then there's no such thing as cynicism to me. It's, cynicism is out of the equation when it comes to politics. Like, totally. people are cynical about life and they're like blackpilled. That's bad cynicism. Yeah. Nothing matters and everything. Like, you just die. Nihilism. I'm like, that's yeah. nihilism. That's bad cynicism. But it's like, I view politicians as being self serving. Yeah. I view institutions of power as being self serving. Because they've shown no reason to believe otherwise. But that's not cynicism. That's just like pattern recognition. You know? Yeah. So people will call it cynicism. And I'm saying no. Ascribing them as all evil would probably be cynicism. In that context. Sure. But saying these are self-serving institutions that don't actually care about what's true. They care about what gives them more power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's like... 
Um, I was reading a Curtis Yarvin article mm. about um, why would there be consensus among climate change scientists that climate change is an existential threat. Mm -hmm. And one explanation could be that they're right. Right. Of course, that's an explanation. Uh -huh. But another explanation would be, what is a climate denialist, as they call it, a climate change denial, denialist? What are they saying? Denier. Denier, denialist. Yeah. <laughs> what are they saying about themselves and their profession? They're saying this isn't that important. And what is the climate change catastrophist saying about themselves and their profession? I'm very important. And this is very important because this is an existential threat to all of our lives. Right. It's a so you realize that opportunity. Yeah. So then the consensus is no wonder. Of course, there would be consensus because what they're all saying isn't necessarily climate is changing and it's an existential threat. The other explanation could be we're all important. We're all important. Look at us. Our, our discipline is really important. I hate the number one part of the climate change argument. And I know what we were saying. It's not here. I got it. It's not necessarily about climate change. It's just Sip about. Of water. Mm. <laughs> wow. I just spilled all over myself so the audience knows. Continue I want to take it. I want to take a sip too. We're both taking sips of water. I spilled a lot. Mm -hmm. That was a serious spill all over myself. Oh man, that was good. All right, you go ahead and say what you're going to say. So you're talking about climate change catastrophists. No, I know. Um, the thing that bothers me the most about uh, the climate change argument whatever you believe whether you think it's like an imminent threat <coughs> or a distant threat or totally false or or it's the most important thing mm -hmm. um so much of the blame has been placed on the consumer when really it has nothing to do with the consumer and everything to do with manufacturers creating products that are bad like yeah you know like if you don't want people to throw plastic bottles in the garbage don't make plastic bottles or like, don't make garbages i'm just kidding well yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i'm saying yeah, and i, I know yeah. that wasn't your point but the climate change thing really bothers me because like especially i dated somebody who like would like use the same like cardboard coffee cup for like three weeks and like you know used a bamboo toothbrush and like you know just you know, a barefoot type of motherfucker. And yeah. I was always just like, this is a lot of work for someone who's going to make no difference yeah. in the world. You know what I mean? And I know that like on a like technical level, just like voting, like every singular person's efforts matter because they make up the gestalt of the whole, you know, action. <coughs> like every group effort comes down to like the dedication of every individual but like this one person i don't know like if i bought a plastic bottle he'd be like bro like for real like that's so annoying you know what i mean but yeah that's a and he was like a virtue signaling type of person he's a really good guy um but 
it's like those types of people become the warriors of that cause, and then they get to be the little hall monitors of other yeah. people's behavior. I don't even like to say policing because that would give them like too much credit and power. Well, it's like they're it, being like a little hall monitor with like a little orange seatbelt. You ever see those? I was like a bus, oh, yeah, a yeah, bus yeah. safety monitor. Mm -hmm. Like there was like once a week, someone would be a bus safety monitor and it was literally a seatbelt that was orange with a badge on it, like that they hot glued to it that you like wore over like across your body. Mm -hmm. That's what I think of when I think of like these people who are virtue signaling in their own little insignificant ways. Well, that, that also is, um, that also links into the point about institutional power because like you see it on a small scale in that regard. You see it on a small scale that people individually want to have a tiny bit of power to be like, why are you buying a plastic bottle? Yeah, power is really addictive. <laughs> so imagine a journalist yeah. who's got the backing of a powerful institution yeah, and actually does have power. You know? Yep. How, like, that's that's also speaking to your argument about, like, all these politicians and government entities being self-serving. Like, people not believing that. Um, that's as naive as could be. It's insane. Like, to think that they are, like, public servants is nuts because yeah. of exactly what we just said. Like, give someone a smidge of power and watch what they do with it. Yeah. Like, when I was a lifeguard... There were like lifeguard supervisors. I was promoted to a lifeguard supervisor and there were like 10 other people. And you just see how these people, like I was pretty chill the whole time. Like I, I did what they told me to do. I wasn't an asshole. And there were other people who would like exercise their weird like 17 year old power in ways that make them feel really good and mimic the type of power that they see other people have you know yeah like those lifeguard supervisors are larping as cops and right. cops are larping as navy seals and navy seals are larping as superheroes yeah yeah you know what i mean like it. everyone's always larping up to yeah, the they next larp up. Yeah, logical yeah. tier of always. power because it's because it feels good to have like, people listen to it's you it's like a mall cop Thinks right. they're a real cop. A mall cop or is LARPing as a cop, yeah. University police. Yeah. Some universities have actual police, but some of them have mall cops. Yeah. Who think they're real police. Mm-hmm. I remember... Um, like the ones who go and knock on doors about weed. Oh, yeah. In college. We went... Like, really, dude? We went to Stony Brook. Um, my old roommate, his dad was a police officer, and mm -hmm. they were moving in. His dad's like the... Good police officer, by the way. And this, my former roommate is a current NYPD police officer. He's like one of the few people I know who I'm like, that's a good job that's for him. That's New York's finest. And I'm glad. He's literally New York's finest. I like, love that. He's the best. Yeah. He's the best person to be a cop. I give and NYPD I cops so much credit. Well, they're actually, you know, I mean, it's like. They got being, fucking shit. Well, like, it's like Chicago. Imagine Chicago yeah, PD. Yeah, that's yeah, why totally. no one signs up for totally, that. But totally. that's a real cop. That's yeah. a real cop. And that's, that's different. A police officer. <laughs> yeah. Those people are worthy of some respect. Yeah, like they should have guns. Yes. <laughs> and anyway, 
his dad, former NYPD detective or something, um, concealed carry. He's allowed to conceal carry legally yeah. in New York, which very few, few people are. Or maybe he just had it on his hip. Anyway, one of the, <coughs> one of the um, Stony Brook police mall cops sees this gun on him. Now, he looks like he's like 65 at the time. Maybe younger. So he just looks like a gun-carrying Republican. Just gray hair, yeah, mustache. Looks like a cop. Yeah. Looks like a okay. retired cop. Sure. The mall cop calls the real cops. The real Stony Brook cops show up while he's moving his son into college, draw their weapons on him. He has to lay on the ground. They confiscate his gun from him. Obviously, after they speak, they realize that, oh, fuck, this guy's a former police officer. He's allowed to carry the gun, but they, you know, that was it. Nothing happened. They, they weren't, you know, they, they, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure they apologize really, and stuff. It's really easy to hear a story like that and be like, oh, cops are so like power trippy and dumb. But like, what would you do if you saw a guy and he was like, no, no, I'm a cop. I swear. And then like he's, he, then next thing you know, he reaches for his gun. And now he's pointing it at you. Like well, I, they're trained to think the worst case scenario. So they're like, get on the ground and tell us first why you have a gun, please. And it's degrading, but also like, I don't even know how I would design a better response to that. I think the better response is everyone should be allowed to have a gun. That's so dumb. I don't think so. The guns are so dangerous. Yeah. I know, that's why I want one. On my hip. Don't even think about it. If you, if everyone has a gun, it should be mandatory to go to, like, gun college. Like, sure. four years of I love that. tests and... No, not gun college, but, like, just to train periodically. Four years, I would say, like, college length. Maybe make a gun license, intense, but then, then again, like that's... Like, credit, you're taking gun classes that are six credits, three credits, whatever, <clears throat> and you have to get 120 credits to graduate, like... Before you can have the gun? Totally. No. 100%. No, 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 no. 100%. Well, that would be unconstitutional, so you wouldn't be allowed to do that. Well, I don't really care. A, I think that that would be... You'd the, have to make an amendment. And I think that that would be a really great idea. I think that maximize gun education. Like, if you have to go through fucking 12 years of school to be a doctor, like, if you have to go through 12 years of school to help people, then if you're doing something that can, like, pretty much, it's like it's meant to hurt people, you should at least do four years of hard education. You don't have to pay for it. I'm not saying you'd have to, like, pay tuition. It should be, like, government subsidized, where you have to go to gun college, and you have to go to, like, three shooting classes in different ways and like maybe like a self-defense class that includes what your response would be before you pull your gun just to make sure like karate like i think they should too i'm saying that like but they don't gun training like everyone if you want a gun and you're an adult you should have a gun but like the way that it's working right now is just not cutting it and you should like i said it should be free and you should be able to do the courses on your own time. Like, you could take eight years to quote-unquote graduate. That's up to you. But, like, complete the credits and pass all of your everything. Not, like, mental health stuff, because that gets really crazy. That gets, like, spotty. People are like, if you have mental health problems, you shouldn't have a gun. But it's like everyone has mental health problems. Like, where do you draw that line, and what does that even mean? If you're proven to be competent with a gun, and you go through rigorous training you should have a gun but you really shouldn't have one without that and the cops should also do that too that's an interesting perspective i don't agree with it but i do i do think it's a take you know 
It's a good take. <laughs> it's a flaming hot take. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair interpretation. <clears throat> okay, what brought us to this point? We're talking about your friend's dad who was on the ground. What was before everyone that? Was, oh, people LARPs up. LARPing up. Yeah. I think LARP up will be the name of the... LARP up, yeah. I think that'll be the name of the episode, because cool. that's good. Thanks. And that's a good point. Yeah, that's why people want power. Yes. And so you get a little bit, and then you, you taste the upper echelon. You can pretend, and people still treat you like you have that power. And then you go, oh, well, if I get this power, then I can pretend to be the next one. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's continue on here. Because there's more topics to cover, if we want to. We're at 45 minutes right now. Really? Yeah. Aw. Why aw? Because it's like, it feels like it's been five minutes. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about, you want to talk about monkeypox? Did you see that? I don't know anything about it. I don't really either. I'm not, I, I told you a couple of times that I will not do this again. I'm glad that you're I feeling will, that way. And I'm not talking about the mask. I'm not talking about the fact, like I'm not talking about the, the like surface level, like talking point ways of talking about another virus i mean specifically like i'm not doing this again i'm not locking down and washing my groceries like it's not even like i'm not participating it's deeper than that it's like i refuse to let the government fuck up this bad in containing a virus again like Uh It, w- it took us by surprise. People have said in the past, including Bill Gates, who, you know, whatever, it's a whole other thing, but like we should have a dedicated pandemic response team. It was what dispersed in 2018 or something. And then all of a sudden COVID happens. And I don't know that statistic for a fact, but I know that we had a pandemic like research and response team and it was dissolved shortly before 2020. And I just won't let that happen again. Like the, I mean, I don't know what I would do to prevent it, but that would be like scorched earth for me. If Mm -hmm. the government was like, oh man, it's out there again. Sorry guys, got no more restaurants, no more. We're putting the plastic on everything. I would be like whoever started BLM, like I would start this movement. I would be like the gross incompetence (laughs) is worthy of an outright coup and it's over like, like a i played coup? yeah 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 murder across the bro- like i mean it you can't like fool me once you know that whole thing yeah. like you can i'll give you this one like this was hard to contain it was hard to manage we didn't know what we needed Thirty thousand ventilators yeah. or twelve hundred dollars every four might months all, like, the whole thing might have been fake no, Dave. <laughs> we still don't know that. No, it's real. But <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe. you know, do we need ventilators? Do we not need ventilators? Do we need to build a literal, you know, military ship-sized hospital on the Hudson River or the East River, whichever it was? Do we need to send where, sick? Like, do we know, need to send sick old people back to the nursing home? I'll give yes. you, like, I'll give you that. I'll give you that room to figure that out. But if we didn't figure it out by this time i swear to god i'm like it's scorched earth it's i'm not doing it again do you think they do this with this whole i think i mentioned this in one of the more recent episodes they would do the 
just no refractory period just going right back to fucking us like not <laughs> even like we can't even take a sip of gatorade blow me soft yeah. <laughs> no they're going back in just full-blown monkeypox which they that's talk- what i'm saying i will i, I, I saw, would then i would go scorched earth. yeah i saw a tweet that was like it could be a 10 percent mortality rate i assume the person talks like that and um dr eric Fang or something like that. I think he's a Chinese operative. It looks like it. Or it might be just a fake Twitter account that doesn't have an actual person behind it. Is he Chinese? I think or so, are yeah. Are just saying that? No, I think he's actually Chinese. Okay. Or if he's even real. But it's a really popular Twitter account. And the guy's whole career was built from COVID. No one's happier that COVID oh, happened yeah, than yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, sure. he is the grifter of COVID, of Twitter. I mean, there's plenty of them but this guy's especially prolific why just because like he would go viral on a day-to-day basis just like oh wow super fear-mongering really everything's dangerous and then when when it's been falling apart when the narrative's been falling apart he's like wait wait b1a129 variant it could be even more transmissible and dangerous dangerous and it's like watching someone lose their career and fame before your eyes and clinging onto it. It's like seeing a celebrity become irrelevant and they just like cannot accept that they're becoming irrelevant. It's the same thing, only this is a... He's the Madonna of COVID. Of doctors, of I guess. Doctors, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's like getting a BBL just to stay relevant, oh, you know? God. That's what he's doing the equivalent of. And then he was tweeting today like, I think we need to do the responsible thing knowing that there's this monkeypox case and we need to mask back up. And luckily, just about every comment, and there were thousands, and I scrolled for a while, and mm-hmm. almost every comment was like, fuck you. <laughs> so I think, like, I don't think they can do it, and I think they know. I think this is pro- like programming to be like, the next one will be worse. I think that's what they're setting the groundwork for. But I think... Look, I'm just not accepting that. I know. As incompetent as they are, they can't do it now because they would have a full-blown violent um, uprising on their hands. And they might be able to quell it. I'm not saying they couldn't handle it, but it would cost them a lot I and there would be a would lot of damage. Like, there would be a lot of death. People just like hear, um, you know, about the new variants and about... Um, you know, things that could be wrong with your body constantly, and people are constantly scared, right? But, like... That's why they get cancer. No, but because of that, they're so desensitized to how, like, severe that kind of messaging is that when you hear someone talk about monkeypox, they're like, sure, that's possible, but it's not. Like, it's that's like lightning striking, like my left nipple twice in the same hour Uh like the chances are sub zero yeah so they're like oh the last pandemic we had was 1918 and then we had one in 2020 and now we're having one in 2023 you're like okay and by the way i'm not saying that this monkeypox thing isn't real i'm just saying that it's not like they've always doctors have already come out and said that it's like not covid it's you don't transmit it through the air like that like it's it's like a whole different thing and that it's contained and that the person's stable and that it's kind of just like like they they put it to bed really quick like as yeah. soon as i heard about it it was like 48 hours until i yeah. saw the the quote unquote end of it but like people are just kind of like willing to accept like 
oh yeah, okay, there's a monkey thing. Yeah. Gotta do this. And it's like, the, do you realize how impossible that is? Like, why is no one thinking that? Yeah, I think what people gotta realize too, and I'll bring up another um, topic after this because um, this will factor into it as well. To be the opposite of fear-mongery here. Should we do a part one and two? No, let's just do this. We could do another one tomorrow or something. Okay. Actually, probably not tomorrow, but you know, because yeah. you're leaving. Well, this could go as long as you want. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. No part one, part two. Okay. Um, it's not going to be a pox, whatever it is. When they're rolling out the next one that Bill Gates is talking about, we might we might have another pandemic. Was that a good Bill Gates? I don't think it was, but he's got that nasally kind of Jewy. I don't know. Weak voice. <laughs> Very weak. Uh-huh. Um, when he's talking about the next pandemic, he's talking about a flu right. or another coronavirus. It's not going to be a pox because it's not going to be fucking monkey pox. Because it has to be undetectable, like on your skin. If people saw it on your skin, then they'd be like, oh, I know you're sick. And it would be real. But it will. <laughs> you couldn't do another fake pandemic or pseudo pandemic. It's not a fake pandemic. It's a pseudo pandemic. A pandemic occurred. Um debatable no but a pandemic a bad flu season dave impossible okay we we don't even have to we don't have to go there so but the thing is that it can't be smallpox either because they also try to scare us with smallpox smallpox is it's not it's not the mid 1800s it's a whole different thing it's treatable you know, way more so than back then. So it wouldn't be this like smallpox just sounds scary because it was scary when it was a thing. Yeah, so it was diarrhea. Yeah. So it's not going to be a pox <laughs> of any kind. It's going to be a flu. It's probably going to be a swine flu or a bird flu. It'll be something like that. Because they have that like H1N5 <coughs> like patent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's creepy. The patent stuff is really fucked up. That one is really creepy, and that one looks really bad, and it'd be something like that. But this is the other thing, and the problem that they have is that they have to strike a balance between deadliness and contagiousness. And those two things are opposed to one another. Because the more deadly it is, the less, the less contagious it is. Yeah, because it has less opportunity to spread because the person just dies. Yeah. And they're so sick that everyone stays away from them. So it can't spread like a more mild virus but if they have a more mild virus then it's not going to kill that many people mm -hmm. but it'll spread a lot and so it can be more useful but that's kind of where it's at like you either have a covid situation which is the mild end or you have a ebola situation which is the deadly end but then they contain it and you know a few people die and that's and it's over so that's kind of the distinction mm -hmm. So nothing to worry about with the monkeypox. I think we can make that conclusion. I wouldn't forget yeah, yeah, about it. No. The other thing is um, people have been sharing around this WHO pandemic treaty. I don't know if you saw that. No. <clears throat> Basically, it would be like all these countries that are WHO members would concede sovereignty to the WHO in declaring pandemics and why how to deal with it it's just a power grab by the who to be like no, well in the wake of this coronavirus pandemic we need to have more central control 
over what nations decide to do so that we're all on the same page. Is Klaus Schwab part of the WHO? That's World Economic Forum. No, but is that is there any like overlap there? There's partnership. Sure. And well, the the WHO is um Tedros. Um he's the head of it. This guy Tedros. Okay. That's his last name. Sure. Um but he's scum. I'm just trying to consider what the implications of one entity being in charge would be besides like obviously the outright indisputable ability to just define a pandemic number one but also like just in state immediate lockdowns or just like be able to govern the world's behavior based on health threats but like what else is that it that's so the that's idea. Just everything, but. So he's talking about, in a clip that's going viral, he's talking about, well, a lot of the spread happens in home, in the home with the family. And we need to be able to go in and isolate that person, that member of that family, and separate them so that they can't infect yeah, the rest of the family and create a pandemic. Now, here's the thing. The United States is a member of the WHO. But they're not, they, we never signed a treaty with them. So there's no legal obligation. This is from another No Agenda clip. Mm-hmm. But they were dialing down the fear mongering because it's really nothing to worry about for the United States because we never signed a treaty with the WHO. So there's no legal obligation to adhere to any WHO policies. For Europe, it's a different story mm-hmm. and could be some concern could be warranted there Mm -hmm. because European nations love giving away their sovereignty. I mean, they're part of Europe. They're part of the European Union. In being a member of the European Union, you've sacrificed sovereignty. That's why Brexit's kind of a big deal. Huge deal. Because they're going, um, no, we'd like to have self-determination once again. Yeah. Which they deserve. And the United States retains that. And the only way they could sign a treaty is with basically have to be two-thirds of the Senate, which will never happen. Right. So we're good. Yeah. For now. I we're, guess. We're, we're good on with that With this, front. I could see that happening. They could just do it with on the their own. the health thing, I they could see They could do it, it on their own, which they did. But it at least won't be at the behest of the WHO. It'll be at the behest of our own um, abusive... Um, you know, daddies. Sure. Here at home. Yeah. Domestic daddies. Domestic daddies. Not foreign daddies. No, God forbid. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm very xenophobic when it comes to authority. When it comes to daddies. Yeah. Yeah. I want domestic daddies. White daddies. I want white American daddies. Apple pie daddies. Yes. Vanilla ice cream. Baseball. Missionary. <laughs> Ice cream missionary. Daddy. Okay, we have a few more things. If you'd like. Yeah. We're in an hour now. Let's keep this going. Yeah. I have a lot of energy still. Me too. I hope you do as well. It's been a great day. Fantastic day. New job. New me. Yeah, congrats. Hell babe. yeah. Thank you. Proud of you. We won't even I haven't decided if I'll talk about that, what happened. So I'm not gonna say yet. But that could be a little but teaser all for upcoming know. episodes. Yeah, it's you all know. Very obvious. I have a new job because something happened if at my old job. you could put your life savings <laughs> on the reason uh, that Dave has a new job, 
you would double it. You'd probably double it, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, the next thing I want to talk about was um, NATO and the idea of alliances. Because now you have Sweden and Finland talking about they want to be in NATO. I don't know if you saw anything about that. No. So they are basically saying, after having said, especially Sweden, the guy who's the current minister of defense in Sweden was like, we will never join NATO, ever. As long as I am the minister of Sweden, the minister of defense of Sweden, we will never join NATO. Mm -hmm. And now he's like, okay, we're seeking to join NATO. (laughs) Because he says, well, the situation's changed because of the war with Russia. Right. So now they want to join NATO. And um, basically, Turkey is saying no. Why? Um, It's because there are these Kurdish, this group of like Kurdish, I guess you can call them separatists, who um, apparently tried to stage a coup against the Turkish government, Erdogan's government. And um, a lot of them have taken refuge in Sweden. Okay. And he contests that they're doing training operations and stuff in Sweden. Oh. And that Sweden is harboring terrorists. Okay. So Turkey's like, well, it's going to be a no from us. Mm. And NATO, in order to join, you need a unanimous yes vote to join NATO. It's not like two-thirds. It's like every single NATO member has to say yes. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and there are 30 members. <clears throat> I think I talked about this before, but it bears repeating because it's a great point. It's a great point. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do that. Alliances are bad. The bigger they get, the worse they get. Now, Why if, are alliances bad? I'll explain. If, for example, the United States has an alliance with Canada, that's fine. They share a giant border... Any attack on Canada, look at the the situation we find ourselves in with Canada, mm-hmm. where we're surrounded on either side by gigantic oceans, mm-hmm. and any attack on Canada would be a direct threat to the United States. Totally. Because if someone could strike Canada, yeah, they could easily strike the United right. States. So there's so much mutual, you know, interest yeah. there. I gotta shut the air off. It's so cold. Okay, shut the air off. Okay, so um, I had to pause for a sec. There's an obscene amount of mutual interest between the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. So, it the same thing could be said of the nations of the United Kingdom or Ireland. Like, if Ireland, not Northern Ireland, but Ireland, made an alliance, a military alliance with um, England... That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. They're on the same island. Yeah. You know, they're right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the issue and why NATO is a bad thing, especially Article 5, which is an attack on one, is an attack on all. Right. As NATO expands and as it gets closer to the primary adversarial nation, not self-described, but described by the nations of NATO as an adversary, which is Russia... As you add more nations and get closer to Russia, and the interesting thing, too, is the 
closer you get to Russia, the more strategically unimportant those nations are. You know, we're not to talking who? about, we're talking about like, like to, to European stability, oh, okay. to global economy, things like that. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about France. We're talking about Northern Macedonia, or we're talking about uh, some of the more in- inconsequential small nations of populations of like 2 million people. Mm-hmm. Oh, like we're talking about like Croatia. Mm-hmm. So the more nations you have, you have more, you know, sovereignties with different interests. And perhaps the one adversary, which is Russia, could have potential interests in aggressive war, for example, maybe with some of these nations as you get more and more east and toward Russia. Mm-hmm. All you do by adding more and more members is make it more and more likely to cause a global conflict. Right. If NATO is five countries, if it's like England and France and Spain and Germany and Italy, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Right. You start throwing in all these other countries. Now you want to throw in Finland. Now you want to throw in three. That's 32 points of entry for a global conflict. Right. 32 points of entry instead of two. Yes. Or four or five. And you're talking about countries that don't have overlapping interests. Like what are the interests of Sweden and what are the interests of England? And where does their overlap between the two? Mm -hmm. That they both like democracy is that enough overlap? Mm-hmm. They have ideological overlap, you know? Yeah. Like Finland supplies a lot of energy to Europe. So, okay, you can make an argument there. But then what are the interests of Russia in relation to Finland? You know what I mean? And how are you assessing that? It doesn't make any sense. So alliances, the bigger they are, the dumber they are. And the more counterproductive they are. Yeah, I mean, that's like way bigger than just an alliance. That's like, I don't even know why you it's wouldn't like categorize a, it as something more significant. It's not like, probably landmass-wise, it's like a quarter of the world. Yeah, it's fine. And then country-wise, it's like an eighth of the world. The, the most relevant countries, too. It's, like, yeah, you know, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily. I mean, China's not in it, India's not in it, Brazil's not in it, but still. Right. And why not then? Like, where would it end? Like, why not is, you know, why not throw Mexico in? Right. If the United States is in it, why isn't Mexico in it? It's the North Atlantic. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, Canada's in it. Yeah. Why isn't Mexico in it? (coughs) Because that's South Atlantic. Does that not count? I think Mexico's still North Atlantic. It is because it's above the Northern Hemisphere. Oh, is it? The equator. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's in the northern hemisphere. Yeah. I mean, some of it is, right? Most of it. Okay. If not all of it. Ecuador is next right, to the equator. Right, because that's, yeah. Yeah. So. Bam. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Why are we shafting Mexico? Is Mexico a member? I don't even know that. I don't know. I'm going to look it up on my phone real quick. Let's see. Is You could talk. Should I sing? If you want to. No, it's okay. 9 11. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I wish he would answer my fucking messages. That is um, NATO. NATO. Okay, I think Mexico is a member, so forget what I said. 
Wow. Wait. See? Wait, 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 no. Um. No, it's not. Never mind. It's, it's not. put you on a fact farm. Mexico. I should be on a fact farm. Mexico is not a member. But you know who is? Canada. Um, yes. The Czech Republic. Estonia. Thank goodness. Estonia is. Yeah. Do you want to know how many people live in Estonia? I already did this on the podcast. I mean, it's more... 1.3 million. It's more of an incentive for the smaller countries because then they, you know, it's like being in a gang. Like, if you're a little twerp and you're a blood, then, like, someone beats you up, then the, all the bloods are after you. Like, <clears throat> if you're broke and your military is bad and you don't have anybody and you're just, you ain't with it, then you have all these thugs who are like, well, we with it. I think that you also then empower smaller nations or twerps to be douchebags. To who? To oh, anyone to the they country. want. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're like, well, the United States is going to yeah. funnel money into me. Yeah, yeah. And then they're going to launder it. Like that Key and Peel sketch where the girl is like talking shit to the guy. And she's like, you're ugly and you're stupid. And then the boyfriend steps in front of her and the guy punches him in the face. And every time she says something stupid, she's like, I'm the most powerful woman in the world. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. The other point that just occurred to me is that if anything, this Ukraine situation is showing how useless it is to be in NATO because they're not in NATO. And we've given them more money than we've given any other NATO nation <laughs> ever. Sure. We've given them more money than the entire military budget <coughs> of <coughs> Russia in a year. But during, I mean, what other conflict would there be a context that warrants that? Well, exactly. It's like if Russia <coughs> went to war against Estonia and they weren't in NATO, we'd funnel money to them. I so guess. would the rest of Europe. They don't have to be in NATO. But isn't it more than just money? What do you mean? Like, what are your duties? Do you just respond with giving them well, it's financial safer. support? It's safer then. Like, the fact that Ukraine isn't in NATO is why we aren't in a global war. Because yeah. it doesn't trigger Article 5. Now, the other point is NATO is a treaty organization. And you don't have to abide by a treaty, even though you say you will. Mm -hmm. So if a NATO nation was attacked, it's not a guarantee that it would cause a global war. It just makes it way more likely. But the countries could be like, fuck you, we're not doing it. Mm -hmm. And like Dvorak brought up like in a different context, he was talking about the WHO treaty. But like if you look at the United States and their historic... Um, the way they treat treaties historically with the Native Americans. It's like, we don't have much respect for treaties, mm -hmm. you know? Sure. So, but we're the most war-thirsty nation in recent history of the last hundred years. Not Russia? No. Oh, of the last hundred years, sure. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I'd say... It was the European nations before us. But we haven't been a nation for that long. Mm -hmm. 
and we've only been a global superpower for 100 years. But as long as we've been a global superpower, we've been the Warhawk nation. Yeah. And um, have suffered the least as a result. Mm -hmm. And inflicted the most suffering, except for the Eastern Front in World War II being the exception. America, bring the pain. Yeah. We bring the pain. Yeah, we bring the pain. We have the meat. That's like I also see a meme going around, kind of a meme. I see that like there's a there's a thing called history memes. Oh, it's in my pocket. Mm. <clears throat> there's a it's like history is so unreliable. Mm-hmm. And um Especially if it's written by white people. I wouldn't argue that. Um a lot most of the court historians are white people. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. And there's like a meme that goes around that's like um, people making fun of people who say that we didn't have to drop the nuclear bombs on Japan. People making fun of yeah. people. So who... it's like a counterbalance to like for the longest time it's like we defeated the Japs. Those um, kamikaze plane flying psychopaths never forget Pearl Harbor blah blah blah. They would never surrender. Seppuku, you know, all that shit. Like, making this caricature of Japanese culture. Like, they just wouldn't surrender. They would never surrender. We had to. We had no other choice. The amount of suffering inflicted. And then they do models. They do modeling based on, like, well, if we would have done a ground war in Japan, then way more people would have died. And you're like... Well, what if we just According didn't do? To what? Yeah. yeah, like what if we just didn't do a ground war in Japan? And you're like, well, then they would have attacked us. It's like, okay, just defend our borders. Then we had the greatest air force, maybe not in the world at the, one of the greatest. Yeah. By the end of World War II, it was like Russia had the best army in the world. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case for very long. But anyway, we were perfectly capable of defending ourselves. Japan didn't have the resources. You know how stretched your military has to be for a place like Japan to mm-hmm. wage war across the Pacific Ocean? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. They had a hard enough time getting to Hawaii. Yeah. You think they're going to get to California? Right. It's like, it's, but that's the logic they use. Well, we had to defend ourselves. That's why we had to drop nuclear bombs on them. But then when a lot of them don't, about like, what they don't know is that, and what most people don't know, but this has become more widely known is that before we dropped the nukes and after we dropped the nukes, same terms. Mm -hmm. The terms didn't change. The terms of surrender. Mm -hmm. They were prepared to surrender. The war was over. It was done. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, see, the other part is Russia would have helped. And Russia's right there. Yeah. Japan was doomed. Japan would have surrendered. Right. No reason to drop the nukes. The nukes were the U.S. swinging its dick around. Yeah. That's what it was. So we sacrificed conservatively 200,000 Japanese civilians, conservatively, Mm -hmm. to swing our dicks. Mm -hmm. And people want to defend that on Instagram, on history memes, or whatever. Because I've seen it different places on Reddit and stuff. Are people really out here taking that 
kind of stance in a meme. Yes. In 2022, the year of our Lord. It's revisionism of accurate revisionism. So it's like revisionist history usually has a negative connotation to it because it's like, It'll be people like spinning things in a pro. Yeah, and what you are like, what you automatically like. think of when you hear revisionist history, because it's used the most in this context, is Holocaust denial and civil war being about slavery denial. Mm-hmm. You know, which that one has more merit to it, but we can't get into that. It's too controversial. But slavery I, I will denial, do like that. Slaves never no, exist. No, 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 no. Denying that the civil war was about slavery. So people revise history to be like, it really wasn't. It's a states' rights war. Well, that's also oversimplification. Yeah. But it's like saying it's states' rights is as wrong as saying it was about slavery. They're both wrong. Right. Neither is correct. Sure. Many factors played into it. And I'm going to do a podcast about that. But I have to finish this one book first. And I got sidetracked. Is that controversial to say? Yeah. But the Civil War, I mean, it, there's no disputing that, like, the overarching goal was to end slavery. Well, no, there is disputing that. No, but, like, the impacting, lasting, best part of that war is that slavery not was abolished at that It ended point, in the South, yeah. not in the North. It ended later in the North. I don't think it, there was slavery in the North. There was. I mean, not at that time yes. of the Civil War. Yes. But slaves were free in the North. The Emancipation Proclamation freed slaves in the South. He would have lost the Northern states that he won over, Lincoln, had he applied the Emancipation Proclamation to the North. Now, they got rid of it themselves, them nor- those Northern states, not too long after. But... Slavery persisted in the North longer than the South. Crazy. We can do a whole episode about that. I can't we can do it together. To but, but it's sure. not. And he never even mentioned slavery being an issue until 1862. So they were already a year into the war. And then he starts talking about it in speeches. It was to drum up support. It was. And I've it, never heard any of not that it was an, Not that it was a bad message. Like, obviously, it was a good message. But. <laughs> It was not mentioned before the war, going into the war, during the first year of the war. It came into play in the second year of the war. I'm really curious how accurate that is. It's 100% accurate because you can go back and see the speeches that he made. And you can see him saying, before the Civil War, this is not about slavery. I have no intention of ending slavery. I told you about those racist Abe quotes. Some of the most racist shit you'll ever read was spoken by Abraham Lincoln. That would be a good Twitter account, Racist Abe. Racist Abe quotes. That's a great idea, and I should probably make that. You should do that. Okay, so I will. (laughs) Um, You'll be like, why does this exist? (laughs) Anyway, but what I was going to say was it's like revising accurate revision of of history. Like, the history that was written is... The nukes were good. We had to nuke them. Right. America's awesome. I'm so glad we nuked them. Mm. American strength. Let's go America, baby. Let's go Brandon. Revise later. Yeah, let's go Brandon. (laughs) Revise later. Revisionist history saying, oh, that was a big mistake. And it was a war crime. Like, 
however you want to, if this is how you define war crime, then it was a war crime. Mm -hmm. You could even define it as a genocide. You know what I mean? Sure. Just a quick genocide. Yeah. It took a week. Yeah. You know, I think they were dropped a week apart. The really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I think it was Hiroshima and then Nagasaki, if I'm not mistaken. One week yeah, apart. Yeah, but I didn't know they were a week apart. That's fucked. Yeah, maybe 10 days apart. I know it wasn't long Imagine apart. surviving the first one and being like, wow, it's a miracle. Yeah. And then not surviving the second one. Well, that's also like the, the state of fear that we put. You can't even imagine it. Like, imagine after the first bomb in Hiroshima and like you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or if they're going to drop another. Yeah. And then after they drop in Nagasaki, you're like, they're going to drop more. That's too long to wait, too. It's terrifying. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the worst things that happened in the last hundred years. And then there's Dresden, which the revi the original history written by us, the winners, is like, oh, not even that many people died in Dresden. The revisionist history, to make a more accurate reflection, is... We don't know how many people we killed in Dresden, and it was probably a shitload. It was probably a couple hundred thousand. And the other thing is, Dresden was not an industrial city. It was like an artistic city. It was like, um, you know, it wasn't like, it was more like... Portland. I guess the American equivalent, it would be like, we're at war, and okay, you want to bomb like Detroit in 1950 or 1940s, where they're like producing a lot of war materials in Detroit. That's one thing. But then they bomb, you know, instead they bomb, like, Miami. Mm. And you're like, why would you bomb Miami? Sure. Of what strategic <coughs> importance was Miami? They weren't producing weapons there. It's not a legitimate Never target of war. Never let them know your next move. Yeah. <laughs> so when we bombed Dresden, it just wasn't a legitimate target of war. It was, like, an artsy city. They weren't producing weapons there. We just firebombed it we firebombed it i guess you got to get rid of a couple artists every couple of years just to keep things uh rolling spicy? in society to keep them spicy so not everyone can be lazy finger painting all day yeah go to go to so we did them a, a favor then? yeah okay that's a way to look at it <clears throat> the revisionist history is to make it accurate in this case. Yes. It's not always the case. Sometimes it is bad revisionist history. But th this, what's going around, and I just noticed this start popping up, is revising the revisionist history that actually made things accurate. Yeah. And actually set the record straight. Correct history. Now they're going, no, 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 no. We were right the first time when we won and we wrote the propaganda. Mm -hmm. That was right. We were right. Stop doing that, they say. Stop doing that. Stop it. They're like, who cares if the terms were the same before and after the bombs? Who cares? Stop yeah. it. What does it matter to you? That's mean. They're like, why are you being so mean? All we did was drop bombs on civilians. <laughs> the biggest bombs known to man. Why are you getting mad at us? We had to. 500,000 soldiers. Boots on the ground. Had to do it. <laughs> Had no choice. Had to do it. What is this becoming? <laughs> Mexican or Chinese? <laughs> Had to do it. What? Had no choice. Oh, I think gotcha. it's more Asian. Yeah. Had to do it. We had no choice. That uh, that's a mix. That was a lot. That's a mix. Is a mutt. That's a Chinese again. Mexicans. 
Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's all we got. We're pretty gassed at this point. Yeah. I have like a tickle in my throat. I need to drink some water. Yeah. But we did a good job. We did great. And we did an hour and 24 minutes. Awesome. Which is a good length for a podcast. We always do an hour and 24 minutes. Yeah. Give me a fist bump for that, girl. Yeah, girl. All right. Um, We love you. We love you so much. Audience, podcast audience. We miss you. We miss you. And uh, have a good one. Bye. Bye.